November, ladies and gentlemen. And to Tara Talk, of course. Of course. Yeah, with Shannon and Kathy. How are you today, Kathy? This year just keeps moving. <laughs> I know. We're in November. But we're still in fall, which Happy I love. Happy Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today on the show, we will be talking about, a little later, about Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. And I can't wait. But first, I believe you have some pumpkin spice news. Oh, <laughs> I love these. So I think I've shared on this um, show before that like I like pumpkin spice but it's not what makes me think of fall like you know I think of Halloween I think of you know Halloween candy I, I like pumpkin spice but I'm so I, I wanted to look up pumpkin spice products that the overly obsessed apparently you know these companies capitalize off of all these people who just are obsessed with pumpkin spice so the top yes. weirdest pumpkin spice products of 2021 Okay. Some are not so weird. Others, I don't understand. Like for number one. Yes. Pumpkin spice toilet paper. Oh, oh. Do you you um, eat it before or after you wipe? Number two. And you smell like pumpkin spice in areas where (laughs) I'm not sure... That, that, that sorry that's where my head went i mean i was like okay maybe so it now, does matter what are they doing after they go to the bathroom or the mix of those smells and how that might be <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on number two <laughs> can i please have that out of my head thank you pumpkin spice pickles uh, oh number three is not so weird pumpkin spice hot chocolate number four pumpkin spice tamales Okay. I guess. Also not as weird. Sweet and savory. Sure. Right. There was some pine nutmeg and pickles and toilet paper up there now. Pickles and toilet paper. Mm -hmm. Pumpkin spice hummus. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't buy it. No, but okay. (laughs) Pumpkin. (laughs) This is very specific. Pumpkin spice soap on a rope. Oh, hey. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine in bath products. I mean, you got yeah. candles, of course. But I just but thought it was funny. It was soap on a rope. Like it was yeah, very specific. It needed to be those words. Pumpkin spice car Pum- detail spray. Okay. I'm still back on like the, the soap on a rope coupled with the toilet paper as far as the bathroom yeah. and the smells <laughs> happening there. But I, I digress. <laughs> so now your car smells like it. Okay. Okay. This one really gets me. And I can I, see the car thing being very popular. But yeah, ahead. yeah. This one, this next one gets me and it makes me want to vomit a little bit. Okay. In your uh, mouth? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pumpkin spice toothpaste. Oh, no. I don't want a savory taste in my mouth. You know what I mean for that? Like, exactly. I want a peppermint or, not, or nothing. Yeah. Cinnamon, mint, peppermint, any of that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pumpkin spice Pringles. Okay. Ooh. Here's a real specific one to add to your bathroom decor. Oh no. Pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Oh Jesus. So now you wipe my your ass, ass, my pits, everything smells like pumpkin <laughs> spice. And my mouth with the toothpaste. Oh Jesus Christ. Pumpkin. Everybody's partners are like, go away. I've got <laughs> two left. Pumpkin spice kale chips. <laughs> And then the last one is to me number one. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Pumpkin spice spray on spice. So if oh, you have a huh? product that you, that doesn't come in pumpkin spice, you can just spray it right you can on. Just juice it a little spray. So yeah. here, here's what we're doing. We're in the bathroom. Wipe our ass with the pumpkin spice. 
Oh, oh no, wait, no, wait, no, wait. We took a sh- Oh, no. Wipe the ass with the pumpkin spice uh, toilet paper. Take a shower. Use the pumpkin spice soap and a rope. Get out of the shower. Brush your teeth with the pumpkin spice toothpaste. And then as you exit the bathroom, just do a little spray in the air of the pumpkin spice spritz. Walk into the hallway and there you go. no one wants to be near you. No one. <laughs> Except for a similarly pumpkin spiced obsessed person. Whoosh. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I have a couple of things I wanted to mention about just a couple of movies, I guess, that are hanging out this month. One is called Dead and Beautiful that is coming out tomorrow, I believe, on November 4th. And I mention it because it's a 2021 drama mystery thriller, 98 minutes long. I was reading about it. I'm I'm interested in this movie. A group of young and spoiled rich kids turn into vampires after a night out, changing the course of their lives and driving a wedge between them all. So I'm just interested in that movie. It's kind of like a Taiwanese Cruel Intentions, but with vampires hmm. is one of the reviews. I oh, I could. Yeah. You know, right. I imagine it's got the sim- the tropes and I'm never expecting anything particularly unique, but you never know. So I'm looking forward to that one. I'm going to schedule that one in the Discord most likely for this week and then there (laughs) we had a lot of fun uh shark week with our friends and patrons and so i did want to mention that the movie great white which is a 2021 adventure mystery thriller 91 minutes long not the best of reviews but it did come out i think in like july or something it's gonna drop to streaming on the 11th In Great White, a blissful tourist trip turns into a nightmare when five seaplane passengers are stranded miles from shore, as they do. In a desperate bid for survival, the group try to make it to land before they either run out of supplies or are taken by a menacing terror lurking just beneath the surface. Perhaps a great white shark. So that's happening. And then I I would be remiss if I did not mention the movie Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm just remiss if we just didn't start talking about that early because now American American Thanksgiving is coming. So now we're going to be on to that. It is a horror comedy. It is 85 minutes long. It's from 2009. And you might be surprised to know there is a sequel, which was originally titled Thanksgiving 3, and there is no second movie. And then it looks like it was renamed to Thanksgiving Sequel which, you know, uniquely titled. Oh, my God. So the first Thanksgiving, I was introduced to this film because Darcy and Joe Bob of The Last Drive-In did a live viewing, like, in Darcy's living room with a, like, a sheet or something up on the wall and projected Thanksgiving and did it, like, live on Insta or live on... Actually, it was live on YouTube. And we watched with them. And it was quite the debacle as far as technology is concerned but a thorough joy (laughs) for those of us who love them and bad horror movies so stick with me here a possessed turkey terrorizes five stop it terrorizes five college students during thanksgiving break it is the funniest thing you've ever seen in your whole life (laughs) so every year ice one of our patrons our friends (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he tries to get people to watch this movie with him to no avail. But I'm going to schedule another Discord and we're watching Thanksgiving. And I don't think it's really, I think it's only streaming on like Tubi because it's 
to be worthy, right? Right. So that's Thanksgiving. And this is... <laughs> This is a movie that Darcy and Joe Bob took time out of their personal lives to project onto a screen on YouTube for those of us to all watch together. So I'm just saying that's happening. And I've never seen the sequel, so I might have to watch both. Wow. But let's talk about it now. Let's talk about it early and often. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I have another little article here that I wanted to share with you. And this was shared uh, by our friend Pepper. Okay. Women, a woman sues her husband for becoming an alien cult member. (laughs) She's snortling already. A woman in Istanbul has opened a divorce lawsuit against her husband, accusing him of being a member of a quote, alien cult. End quote and not fulfilling his duties as a husband, which we all know what that means. According to the lawsuit, they tied the knot in 2003 and became parents. However, the marriage began to break down after Matin, Matin, who's the male in the joint in the union, joined the World Brotherhood Union Mevlana Supreme Foundation. Why do they always have fakakta names? I don't know. Just to confuse things, I think. So this foundation is led by a female sheik who is believed to have been healed by three aliens. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what makes it an alien cult. That's what that's what does it. That's what does it. Because she claimed that. Because she has the data of her own <laughs> fucking story. <laughs> so this guy joined them five years ago and then things changed. The wife said, once he told me that I'd rather die than leave the foundation. Apparently he used psychological and physical violence against her, his wife. There's a lawsuit. She's demanding 2 million Turkish liras in compensation and monthly alimony, of course. So the woman alleged that her husband started believing that the foundation's, quote, knowledge book was superior to the Quran and that there were cosmic energies existing out of the earth. You know, he goes to the foundation meetings three times a week. Each meeting lasts like five hours. Wow. Mm -hmm. Who has time for that? Well, someone with no job and an alien cult. Here's the thing. The story is that this sheik is believed to be saved by, she had died apparently and was saved by three aliens wearing diving suits while she was sick. Oh my God. Or actually, I guess she didn't die. I guess she was very, very ill. And she was brought back to life by three aliens wearing diving suits. So there's that. And the guy, I guess, in court says, you know, my wife's taking some of the things I said as a joke for real. Aliens with diving suits? Yeah, very specific. Wearing diving (laughs) suits. (laughs) Mm. Oh, my. So they're also associated with uh, a Turkish man who was living in London who had committed suicide in 2018 by jumping into the River Thames. His family found out that the man was sending money to the foundation regularly and committed suicide to incarnate again as the death by water is not a real death. And apparently this sheik also sees herself as immortal and she's just incarnating again and again. I imagine the aliens just keep coming and incarnating her without actually really dying. 
she's uh, 98 years old and she's selling a bill of goods that the reason why she's so old is because these aliens keep coming and saving her. So I say get on a plane. Get on a plane and go on over there and check it out. Just wanted to share that with you. Thank you, Pepper. Thank you for that, Pepper. We always like submissions. <laughs> oh, my. By our peeps. One of the things that happens on the Discord is we have like little channels and stuff, and people throw in articles in there, and I'm, I'm always pulling from the things that people are doing. But now we have a very exciting thing to talk about. We do. Which is one of our patrons and friends, whose nickname is Blue published an article in the Journal of Positive Psychology. And the name of the article is An Upward Cycle, Examining Bidirectional Relationships Between Everyday Activities and Momentary Affective Well-Being in Caregivers, which is, you know, psychology mumbo-jumbo. So when I started to read this, it made me think, I teach uh, child elder abuse and domestic violence in the summer to, yeah. to master's level students becoming mm -hmm. therapists. And... This topic comes up quite a bit when we talk about elder abuse. Yes. And so this is a, a really great article because I think it does really highlight caregiver stress, which is a real thing that ends up unconsciously or, you know, indirectly or whatever. Someone can become abusive. Absolutely. If they aren't getting self-care. Of course. Let me just give the just the, the basic purpose of this so everyone can be oriented. The purpose of the paper, and I'm reading right from it, is to examine whether engagement in self-oriented activities in everyday life predicts momentary affective well-being for caregivers and whether these effects persist over time and are reciprocal in nature. So basically, does self-care give well-being to caregivers and does it stick? Is really kind yeah, of and what, what kind? Is. What and do what, they need? What kind of self care do they need? Right, and mm -hmm. then it goes on to say, additionally, like what are the features of the activities that might be critical? Meaning, like, do you need to have a diverse range of activities? Do you need to be doing the activities more frequently? Do they need to be social or active? Right. Like, what are the qualities they need to be? So, yeah, yeah, and I think those distinctions are important, right? Because very you know, like, like they talk about in the article, physically active activities were related to positive affect, but not to negative affect, mm -hmm. whereas social activities were unrelated to affect. So what that means is, you know, when we look at for people who don't do research or, or it's not like something that they regularly read, we, we're looking for correlations every once in a while. I mean, it's hard to find like a cause and effect in research, but we definitely like to look at like what's correlated to what. Right. And so, um, like Shannon just said, they, they break it down into social and active and like, does it really matter? And, and what's more important? Um, so because if you think about a caregiver's duty, they are pretty isolated. Yes. So getting out, being active, being social, these are really, it's not just taking a nap or watching a movie. It's very specific in getting out of the environment they're in um, and removing themselves from that role. And that can be very, very difficult for people who, um, you know, might be a, a relative of the person who's needed, needing care mm -hmm. um, and they don't have any other support. Right. So finding, I, I would like to know more of like, how do these caregivers get access to this stuff if they don't, I don't know, if they don't have direct access to it? Because this, yeah. this, is, this is absolutely true. But I think the biggest problem is that the caregivers don't have access to the social or active activities. Right. And I think this, and 
the article does say like i think this this kind of study is is one of those what i would call like foundational studies yeah like preliminary where, where it's they're gathering you know it's a small total number of participants i think it was 25 the participants are mostly female mm -hmm. they're um, mostly non-hispanic caucasian so obviously there is a foundation for broader research mm -hmm. and hopefully this kind of article gives that kind of uh, impetus or excitability around the topic. I know it's a topic that is talked about a lot. And so hopefully like bigger studies, more participants, yeah. more diversity, more gender diversity, mm -hmm. all of that can, can hopefully support this and then just continue to get into the healthcare language and culture so that we can continue to support people yeah, as I they mean, age. I think and, you know, this is, of course, care, this was specifically for caregiving to Alzheimer's patients because they're at risk for depression, right. obviously. so. Yeah, I, I think these are really important pieces of research because it's a really important topic to highlight because mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a very specific population that doesn't get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's going to affect not only the caregiver, but the person being cared for. Of course, because if the caregivers, I mean, we know this in our, in our profession as fatigue. a whole, like yeah. if the caregivers are not taking care of themselves, I mean, I was just having a conversation the other day about someone that I work with that is absolutely experiencing burnout and compassion fatigue. In fact, several people I work with are, and I have experienced that as well in the last few months, but I have ways of correcting that. Mm -hmm. I have ways of, of sorting myself out with that. I also know that that can happen and it might be happening for a couple of months and then I can, and then I can reconnoiter because I have ways to do that with right. myself. I, and then if it happens again, I just do those things and we repeat the process because our work is very draining and very difficult. But, also, I work with people who aren't taking the bull by the horn, so to speak, with that. And then that affects their clients. Right. Because then the clients are getting an irritable, impatient, burned out mm -hmm. kind of affect mm -hmm. from them, even if they're throwing on that facade. So I can imagine with caregivers, it's the same That's right. situation, Absolutely. obviously. Because, my God, how draining it is to take care of someone with Alzheimer's. And can be very depressing oh if my it's God. a loved one. Well, and that's what they're saying is mm -hmm. it's like they're so prone to depression that, you know, we got to figure it out. So switching gears from Alzheimer's and depression, this is a little segment... <laughs> Like thanks for that. that though blue thanks for sharing that with yeah, us yeah so vital what yeah. you're doing and i hope to i hope you share a lot of your research because i know she's a little jada person yeah she likes it she loves it bring it on bring it to us we we very much appreciate you so but anyway that's <laughs> more like <laughs> Like a frog. Kermit. That was your Kermit. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. Yeah, change it up, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm amused. Yeah. I think that should be the theme for Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, they might need one. I don't really remember, but we'll find out. When you're ready. Number one, Shannon. Yes, ma'am. Who pioneered the horror science fiction genre? I can't wait to find out. I think you know. <laughs> Number two, Bobby, a.k.a. Boris Pickett, reached number one 
on the Hot 100 in 1962, just before Halloween, with this classic song. (laughs) Okay. Love it. Number three. The name, especially. Boris Pickett. Boris Pickett. I'm just imagining being a radio announcer and be like, and here's Boris Pickett. Yeah, (laughs) top 100. Here's Boris again. Cruising into the weekend. Number three. Yes, ma'am. Bodega Bay was the town in which Hitchcock thriller. Okay. Number four. Mm-hmm. What Italian director <laughs> Giallo. created the musical score for Dawn of the Dead? Okay. And number five. When Wes Craven saw this film, he wondered what kind of Mansonite crazoid <laughs> could have produced such a thing. <laughs> Stephen King praised this movie, stating that it had achieved cataclysmic terror. <laughs> All right. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I won't know any of the answers. No good. But you guys will. So stick with us. And we're about to talk about Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. So, you know, don't miss it, please. Don't miss it. <laughs> We are spooky. These are really cool. Aren't they cool? Yeah, I could listen to those all day. (sighs) Yeah, you heard a little bit of what the listeners have been hearing, which is a little bit of music that's going to be under when I read the spooky stories. And I'm going to do, I did a couple today, or I did a couple last week, actually, for the Halloween episode. As instead of commercials, that's, you know, little spooky stories. Well, more funny than spooky, but a little spooky from some listeners. And then I'm doing a couple more of the spooky stories for our patrons. So you're hearing a little bit of the bed of of what I'm reading over, basically. But for now, what we're going to talk about (laughs) is Jason Goes to Hell. I love this one. (laughs) And then we'll be talking about Jason X. So Jason Goes to Hell. Let me just say what it is for those of you who might not know. 1993, almost 90 minutes long. After being blown away by a team of FBI agents, Jason Voorhees, played by Kane Hodder, needs to find a way to overcome certain death. When his bloodied remains are sent to the morgue, his heart, still intact, is able to hypnotize a coroner and take over his body. After brutally dispatching a couple of FBI agents, he heads back to his favorite stomping grounds, of course, Crystal Lake. Jason commences another teen massacre while a bounty hunter discovers the only way to kill him. Tell us why you love it. Um, okay. First of all. Yes, ma'am. Let me find my page here. Uh, there's so many great scenes, but the young Leslie Jordan. Yeah. I, Pookie. <laughs> I love when he goes, holy shit, the line's dead. <laughs> he is so 
amazing. This is way before American Horror Story. This, I mean, he's got to be what in his like thirties in this movie or I something. He is my favorite part of this movie, and he plays you know the the main diner woman's bitch essentially, <laughs> and his delivery and he's he always plays himself, yeah, self, yeah. which I love. Yeah, he is so flipping funny in this. So there's that piece. He's totally the comic relief. <laughs> this is the one that has the most kills mm-hmm. out of all the Friday the Thirteenth. I love that Kane Hodder plays a security guard in this. I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the only one that Jason has an accidental death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that there's really cool scenes, like the brain eating scene. Yeah. A lot of great effects. So I think it, it's a good mix of, it didn't take itself too seriously. There's funny, there's humor, but it's still a good story. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's also where we find out his supernatural origins. Like the, yes. they, they go back to mythology. I've actually, if those of you who are fans of Friday the 13th have not purchased the Scream Factory box set that they came out with last year, each disc has a bunch of new commentaries on it. They also have the old commentaries on them. So you can listen to like tons of material, all kinds of different videos and things on every single movie. So it's literally a box set of all the movies. And I was listening to the commentary on this from the director, whose name is Adam Marcus. And it was really interesting. He First of all, he's like a really charismatic, interesting, like talkative guy. So that helps on yeah. a commentary, right? Uh, but he was talking about all kinds of things and how much he loved this movie and how much fun he had. And of course, how much the critics hated it and how lambasted he got for creating the Friday the 13th with the least amount of Jason in it. So people at the time got really hot and heavy about like, where's my Jason? Uh, yeah, at the beginning, everyone's <laughs> like, what? Because yeah. there isn't that much Jason no, there's in not. this movie. There's not, and it's so, such a good movie. But you know, also what I, I've learned a few things, of course, is that at that point, you know, Paramount had allowed them to make this movie because they have bought the rights for to use Jason. But they didn't buy the rights to Friday the 13th. In other words, they couldn't name the film Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Hell, because they didn't have the rights to do it, which I thought was interesting. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that. (laughs) You only bought Jason, not not Friday the 13th. And you didn't buy, and they couldn't, they couldn't, um, there was some other, they wanted Tommy Jarvis, like the character to be named Tommy Jarvis, but they couldn't couldn't use that. They're like, no, you you only bought Jason, you didn't buy Tommy. (laughs) I love the scene. My favorite kill yeah. in this movie is the tent scene when they're having sex and he puts the machete in and just literally splits her in half. Yes. And the guy, the, that guy's never going to have sex again. <laughs> well, no. I mean, unless he's into, you know, very violent sex because right. she was literally on top of him and yeah. Jason went through the tent and through her torso right up and split her in half and she just went both ways yeah i call that the orgasm death it is hilarious because she's literally she's having an orgasm at the moment yeah where she dies which obviously not a bad moment to end with no but it's not even jason that kills her it's another guy that walks away isn't it i thought it was jason in that scene well we'll have to look that up because i'm i'm i was pretty sure it wasn't they show him walking away and it's like the doctor and the doctor or whatever because like you know this one doesn't have a lot of jason yeah i thought that was one scene that he was in but maybe i'm wrong but so also my favorite thing is it's a it's a, a callback to the sleeping bag deaths 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's the two of them. And all of a sudden it just cuts to back and forth. Hitting, taking one body in one At bag, hitting the other bag. In the but that, wait, them. that's Jason X. Oh, is that Jason X? Okay, yeah. I'm getting a mix. That's yeah, my yeah, favorite. Yeah, that's, that's Jason coming. X. But, but that's that coming. seems great. Well, you confused it because it's, it's in the simulation scene where they're at the camp. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah sure. we'll, we'll get to that. But this one, this one has some great kills. And I just, again, Leslie Jordan just kills me. And he's not even really in it that much, but like the three scenes he's no, in, he's amazing. I think he's I so texted funny. you that morning. Yes, I was did. like, Leslie Jordan, Jason goes to hell. That's it. I'm dying right now. Pookie. Well, and She's it's like, Pookie. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another thing that I thought was really interesting that Adam Marcus was talking about that made me laugh a lot is that, that, you know, there's a supernatural Jason in this, right? There's the Necromicon they get, they get from, it introduces the idea of the Necro. <laughs> Necronomicon. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's what the it's, book of the dead or whatever. Yes. From yeah. the evil dead. Yeah. And it's this tie over and then they have Freddie's hand come out of the ground. That was awesome. So, yeah. so here's the thing that got really fucked up from here on Which out. Which is also an evil dead by the way. Oh yes. Yeah. And so the thing that got really fucked up from here is that this guy set up all of this lore because he, he sort of said like, Hey, I need to know why. In other words, there's one and two, F13, one and two. And between one and two, you have a teenager turn into an adult in, you know, there's like two weeks between one and two. Mm-hmm. And we go from Jason being a teenager who lives in the lake to being a full grown man killing everyone. Right. So, that's confusing. Yeah. And and so what this guy did was so he was true, like though. he was like, well, the only okay, so if you're saying that there's a, a foundation there of a story and that's what you're giving me, then the only way that that is possible to age like that in 2 weeks is some kind of magic, right? And it, that must mean that you are some kind of monster. And so then he created then it was like, okay, so then then Jason must be supernatural. So I'm going to write this, you know, I'm going to have this script which is, you know, he's one of the story by people, the writer, director. I'm going to have this script that gives you that I thought that made a lot of sense. <laughs> it's like he was trying to come from a place of like, how do I make this fit somehow? Yeah. And not just be some bullshit movie. Sure. So he was trying to fit into that. And, you know, it, there's a lot of criticism of this one. And he was kind of like, yeah, everybody critices, criticizes this movie. I had a lot of fun shooting this movie. It was a hell of a good time. A lot of people hate it. Did you like the kills? Did you like this? Did you like that? Okay, so there's not enough Jason, but did you enjoy that? You know, it's like, why do you hate it? Right. <laughs> right. It's it's a good one, I think. There was a, the, I mean, there's a melting dude. I know. And... Apparently they had big ladles of like quote unquote blood and pus and you could just like take in that scene you could just like take a ladle and kind of splat it in the <laughs> room you know like yeah there's not enough blood you know cut run in throw some, some more blood and pus around and I then- love it <laughs> that would have been a fun one to make there's so many practical effects in that but yeah. the scene at the beginning where the guy's eating the brain oh my god amazing so good all right Jason X Oh, God. All right, let's talk Jason X. 2002, horror sci-fi, 92 minutes long. The year is 2455. Everybody goes to space. 
you know, leprechauns, everybody. The year is 2455. The place is Old Earth. Once the shimmering blue jewel of the galaxy, Old Earth is now a contaminated planet abandoned for centuries. Yet humans have returned to the deadly place that they once fled, not to live, but to research the ancient rusting artifacts of the bygone civilizations that caused this environmental disaster. And little does the most recent landing party of intrepid Young explorers realize the fate that awaits them. So I, I have a note to self here that says that this has the intelligence of a soft porn. <laughs> I don't, do you think they're trying to take themselves seriously? Cause uh-uh. it felt like too serious. Oh, uh, I mean, or do you maybe think that was like tongue are, in cheek? I, I think it's giggle. I think it's a giggle fest. Like, I think this movie's hilarious. Like I laugh all the time at this movie, uh. but, and I don't, <laughs> the scene though the simulation scene that you're talking about where he thinks he's at the camp again <laughs> and, and so the hard. sleeping bags i love that kill. that was my favorite scene the callback to the sleeping bag like his and then and then just they cut to this scene where kane has just got one body in a in a bag and he's smashing the other body with the one body that's I right just, i just that was hilarious i, I made, made me gleeful and it also has my favorite line in it the guy goes what's happening in there or whatever and she looks at him and she goes it's jason fucking boris is what's happening in there and that's like my favorite exchange ever yeah i remember that line just saying yeah you know it has some funny moments but overall it for me it was a bore it was boring yeah yeah it wasn't what do you think made it boring i i think this it became sci-fi for me and i went oh "Oh." yeah it's definitely a sci-fi one and sci-fi is not my favorite genre Mm -hmm. i mean obviously unless it's like aliens or something like that well and this is ridiculous Um, the actors are ridiculous the actors take themselves the whole thing is ridiculous there's like a and i don't know if you remember this like this time period there was like lots of robot type stuff so there's like a robot girl in this yeah at one point he's holding her head it's it's yeah i mean and there's one point at which she's taking jason down and she's like you know eh, 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 with her machine yeah. gun or whatever and he's just standing there and she she's shooting 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 and the arm flies off and he just like i love kane because he's just like stands there and like looks at it and he's like oh, oh my arm is gone and then he, she's shoot 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 and then his leg flies off and he just like looks down yeah and his legs gone. i do like the i do so like hard. the one guy though that is that he's like they're like don't touch anything that ner- <laughs> that really weird guy but he's funny um it's really dumb it's a dumb it is dumb, dumb dumb movie and i i just within i'm not saying go watch jason x <laughs> but within the world of all of the friday the third all of the jason Voorhees movies I think it has its place yeah. just because it's like ridiculous yeah. and it sucks on so many levels that it transcends the suckage to yeah. me. Like I am amused every time I watch this movie. Yeah. It's, um, it's that's, something. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> oh, Jason. Well, I am looking forward to Freddie versus Jason because it's been a while since I've, and that one cracks me up the way that Jason X cracks you up. Oh, I love I love uh, Freddy versus Jason. I mean, Freddy versus Jason has always been far more popular than Jason X, and so it never it never rose to the popularity of right. that. But and but I don't know. Yeah, 
there's some pretty gnarly kills. I do like, uh, I like funny K- lines. Kane is great in this one though. Well, and I, I happen to, yeah, it's like when we were talking about, um, I don't know, six, I think. Yeah, I think it was six we were talking about. And when Kane talks about like his favorite ones to shoot, didn't he, he say this was one he, of his he favorites? He goes back and forth between six and this one. Okay. And you can tell why. He's like a badass in this one. He's in the whole movie. Right. So that's one of the things I like about this is that he that Jason is in the whole movie. Right. And after after not after Jason goes to hell, audiences were wanting that, right? They mm-hmm. were like, Where's my Jason? Right. And so they gave him a lot of Jason in like a sci fi space thing which was all the rage at the time. But even the director, when he listened to the commentary, is like, so let's watch this slop I made. You know, like, he, yeah. he, there's a, there's a, there's an understanding sure. of what, of what they're, ma- that's why I know it's self-aware. Yeah, yeah. Is because there is an understanding of what they were yeah. making. And that director happened to be like a real sci-fi nerd and all that, yeah. so they went that direction. Yeah. And they had pitched a bunch of ideas for this movie. So whatever. I think in the lexicon of the movies, it fits nicely because then you go to Freddy versus Jason, which is super popular and everyone's favorite. So it's a good one. You get to pay off soon to round out our Friday, the 13th discussions of all of the movies in a couple of weeks, we'll do our last chunk, which will be basically the 11th and 12th film Mm -hmm. that is Freddy versus Jason, which is obviously a crossover. And then the 2009, I think it is like remake quote unquote, a Friday the 13th, which, uh, which we'll talk about those two in a couple of weeks. And then that'll round out all of Friday the 13th. And then we literally just decided that we will then be over the coming months, we're going to do the same kind of exact thing where we're sort of switching off episodes. We're still doing, you know, true crime stuff. We're going to do some of our Ted Bundy re-listen and explication that we started. We're going to do some more of that, but we're going to be doing Freddy. We're going to be doing the Nightmare on Elm Street series. We're going to watch all of those movies and sort of do the, a similar thing where we just revisit, talk a bunch about them. And go for that. We thought Freddy versus Jason kind of leads right into that. Yep. And I think after people watch Jason Goes to Hell, what people were really wanting was Freddy, Evil... They wanted Nightmare on Elm Street, the Evil Dead, Friday the 13th movies correlations. And they didn't quite get that. (laughs) So it's sad because it was set up that way that there would be some kind of Evil Dead crossover and we could maybe get that in the mix and that would have been awesome, but it just didn't happen. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back with our horror watches and whatever else we're doing. So thanks for listening. It's a little variation on the uh, theremin we've been doing here. Hello. Hello. Let's talk about some books and movies here. So I hear, I hear tell you are into your next Grady. I am. I went, I went backwards because I read Final Girl Support Group first and now I'm back reading. Well, it was new and shiny. Yeah. So you jumped on it. Well, and you had already started reading this one. So I'm yeah. like, I'll start the next one. So I'm reading now the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Um, I love that they describe it as fried green tomatoes and steel magnolias meets Dracula. (laughs) It totally is. Um, So if 
any of you out there are familiar with Grady and uh, my best friend's exorcism, which we've talked a lot about on the show because it's just one of the best books ever. <laughs> this is in the same town about, you know, 10, 12 years later. Um, and, and it's more from the adult's perspective of the town. And um, I'm not yet at this part, but uh, this gentleman moves into the neighborhood and uh you know he's maybe not so human mm. and these uh catty little women that get together for their book club uh, they may not be so weak <laughs> that's right so enjoying it so far huh yeah it, there's a lot of humor in this one at the beginning and it has a, a very much the same flavor as my best friend's exorcism i think that's why i'm really digging it yeah that's the grady that you that's the grady i know and love that you prefer. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually started our next book for book club, which is called Voices in the Snow. It's a Black Winter book. It's her Black Winter series. So this mm -hmm. is number one in that series. Darcy Coates is the author. I started that up. I'm only a couple of chapters in, but I'll tell you, it's uh, it starts out, you know, in, with a bang. Like yeah. right in the action. She's great. I mean, I, I love how she writes and she's, she's very, I'm not saying this in a, like a derogatory way. The way that she writes is very simple. Yeah. You've said that before. And I, and I think we, we experienced that with Rosemary's baby where it's like, and it's simple, so good, a good plot. Yep. Going through, but I will say it starts out right in the action. So that's great. I just, I like, I really, her books are so easy to read. Well, and it's set in like a wintry goodness. I mean, it's called Voices in the Snow. So even though we don't live in the snow, <laughs> it's like it's a great kind of starting into the winter kind of right. situation. I also wanted to talk about, I think I mentioned before that I'm reading this book, Nocturnal by Scott Sigler. Mm -hmm. I'm quite a bit farther and I think I only have like about 100 pages left. And it's a lot of fun. It's still a lot of fun. So I can tell you that you're going in this book, you're going to get crime drama, which I mentioned before, and you're going to get creatures and you're going to get Batman. Wow. I mean, not Batman, but Batman. Okay. And I don't understand because it's totally set. It's totally a world. It's completely world building. And there's so many new things happening, even with only a hundred pages left and the book is like five, 600 pages long. Mm -hmm. So I, I am, I know that Scott Sigler writes a lot of books and a lot of series. And so the question is where the hell is my second book? Because there's going to, I can already tell with only a hundred pages left that there's this whole world that I'm going to be left on a lurch. I'm going to need more. Got it. Just saying. All right. So what, what did you watch? Let's, let's talk a little movies. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is a movie, uh, came out this year. Another, I think it's another Blumhouse. It's called black as night. It's an American horror film. And Shauna is a teenage girl who lives with her big brother, Jamal and her father, Steven. Her mother, Denise is a drug addict who lives in the Ombro. I believe it's pronounced. I don't know. It's, it's in, um, New Orleans, a housing project, which is now slated to be torn down. Uh, so the site can be used for mixed use development. Shauna goes to visit Denise and passing the street, which is now slated to be torn down. She finds that her mother has been attacked. 
Yeah, and I'll just jump in <clears throat> super quick. Like two weeks ago, I talked about this movie. Oh, you did? Yeah, and so just for our listeners, because oh, they, remember they probably about, track it, they probably track it better than we do. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that I talked about this movie, and so just so you know, now now Kathy's watched it, and so yeah, I, let's sorry, hear what you I, think. For some reason, I don't remember you talking about it. It's one of the four. Uh, oh, prime, it's right. one of the four Blumhouses. Okay. All right, prime. so all right, yeah, so you know, it has its moments. Um, it's a total Blumhouse, you know, yeah, teenager. Sure. It, it has a, a, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer feel to me. So it was fun. I think I gravitated towards it because I like the new Orleans vampires. And then right. there's also like, you know, the, um, you know, it, it does take place in the project. So there's like a social justice component, but it's not shoved down your throat. No, it's not just, at all. It's a lot of fun. Actually, It's a lot of fun. And so if you take it for what it is, mm-hmm. I, I, it was, it was fun. Yep. I, um, I agree. So it's, I like watching all like the new vampire stuff that comes out. No, and so. I enjoyed that one. I mean, of the four, I enjoyed that one in the manner the most probably. Okay. Yeah, and they're both, the manor, yep. and they're both very different. Honestly. Yeah. Sounds so, like it. But I had a lot of fun with that one because I do like a teen horror, like a yeah, PG-13. especially a vampire one, right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So it was fun. I watched a couple of different movies that are not new because here's the thing is all through October, I'm watching a lot of classics. I'm watching a lot of the things that like I watch every year, right? So it's kind of like... I watch Audition. I watch The Conjuring, the very first one, because it's one of my faves. I watch, I do watch like the new Shutter Drops. I watch the new Blumhouses, but I watch like The Witches of Eastwick and we watched all our Scarecrow movies. Yeah. I watched Dawn of the Dead. I watched Hocus Pocus oh, and sure. Halloween Town. I watched Charlie Brown. Like, you know, I watched The Great Pumpkin yesterday. There you go. Yeah. And Gremlins and Fright Night. And I watched a lot of that stuff. Plus, we were. Sure watching Halloween kill, you know, I watched a lot of that in October. And so, and so for now what's happening is I actually kind of went back and watched the movie mother. Mm, That's supposed to be a really good one. (laughs) 2017 Mm -hmm. horror mystery thriller, exactly two hours long. Uh, Yeah. It's super interesting. So a young woman spends her days renovating the Victorian mansion that she lives in with her husband in the countryside. When a stranger knocks on the door one night, he becomes an unexpected guest in their home. Later, his wife and two children also arrive to make themselves welcome. Terror soon strikes when the wife tries to figure out why her husband is so seemingly friendly and accommodating to everyone around her. So here's the thing about this movie. Jennifer Lawrence is the mother, the wife, Javier Bardem is the husband. Ed Harris is the guy who comes to the door. And Michelle Pfeiffer is his wife. Yeah, is his wife. And then the two Gleason brothers play their kids that come later in the movie. Here's what I would say about this. I recommend this movie, even though it's really unique and odd, and you are going to have moments where you're like, huh? But you you, know, you figure it out. It, it, it's okay. It's an allegory. Some of it is an allegory. But what I can say is in the part that feels based in quote unquote reality, because the end you, you get a whole sense of what they were actually doing. But, you know, Darren Aronofsky, <laughs> it's an, there as a director, like it's really intense. It's like a nightmare the performances are amazing. I mean, listen to those actors. The performances are amazing. It was uncomfortable because 
here is what the sensation you will have through a chunk of this is that your POV is Jennifer Lawrence's character. Mm -hmm. And there is a bunch of people that show up at her house and they're very invasive. So if you have a thing around your husband, your partner, whoever it is that you live with, like just kind of being so narcissistic. There's a real study on narcissism in this movie being so narcissistic that in the allegory, he kind of basically lets everything invade you invade your house and invade your world. And so you're constantly going, um, these people are strangers. Why are they in our house? And then another moment, it's like, uh, I can't believe you let them do that. Like, why are there people in my kitchen? Why are the, you know, and that just that sensation of being invaded, mm -hmm. which can take on a myriad of, you know, that can be uh, robbery, that can be rape, that could be any of that. There's not, there's not rape in this movie. I'm just saying that feeling of being invaded and like you don't have any boundaries and that the person that loves, supposedly loves you the most is so self-absorbed that they're not being protective of you. Right. There's that in it. Ooh, so uncomfortable. But the performances are great and it's an allegory and it's kind of got some interesting elements to it. I, I would recommend it if for some reason it has escaped someone. And yeah, I remember it. hearing it has a really good creep factor yeah, to it. For sure. Yeah. And uncomfortable is how a lot of people have described it. Yep. Because <laughs> you put yourself in her shoes and then you're yeah. like, oh, fuck, I would be upset too. Okay, so go for it. Uh, I watched a movie called Hashtag Like. Uh, <laughs> it came out this year. How very contemporary. Yes. So it's uh, a successor to films like Hard Candy and The Business of Strangers, where a young woman takes a man hostage for crimes he may or may not have committed. Although the film opens with moments of joy as Rosie practices cheerleading routines, we see that a dark cloud hovers over her family. It has been one year since the death of Rosie's younger sister, Amelia. She was 13. On the anniversary of Amelia's death, she finds a message on Amelia's Facebook calling her a slut. For trademark reasons, Facebook is never referenced and the logo isn't shown, but it's Facebook. <laughs> she correctly guesses Amelia's password and starts chatting with the individual who wrote the post, picking up clues to who it could be. She suspects he has something to do with Amelia's death. Rosie pleads for help to the local police who shoot her down. So she starts looking for the man on her own. There are really good elements in this. And I think the, the girl who plays Rosie, her name is Sarah Rich. She's really good in it. There were moments that it felt a little too made for TV for me. But I think that it's another one of those movies. If you, if you try to find some depth in it, I do think it's a movie that really brings awareness to the constant, I don't know, the word's not fear, hypervigilance maybe is a better word, that women need to be very careful of their surroundings and that the idea, like she can't really figure out, she thinks she's found the guy, takes him hostage. Then stuff starts to pop up where she realizes that, it may not be him, but somebody who knows him. So it leaves you in this mystery. But the main theme is, even though it may not be this guy, through talking to him, she finds out that he's not so great either. <laughs> and so there's this theme across like the idea that women always have to question their safety with, sure. with men, right? Mm -hmm. And it's written in lieu of like the Me Too movement and all of this stuff. But there's, I mean, it's creepy, 
and there's parts of it that are really good. I just feel like it needed, it was missing something for me. It wasn't as good as Hard Candy. Yeah, gotcha. Hard Candy was like really, really vivid and like no mercy. I felt like her character at times I was like, okay, this is a little over dramatic. Okay. So like similar themes, but didn't quite. Hit it was the missing something, but the way that it ends, which I won't say, cause mm-hmm. I think it's, it is worth a watch leaves you, you know, leaves you having to sort of interpret it, which I like. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That's interesting. So it was, it was so more artistic in that way. It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I also watched a movie from around the same time as Mother, which came out in 2016, 98 minutes long, and it's called Raw. So this is an offering to the cannibalism subgenre. Stringent vegetarian Justine encounters a decadent, merciless, and dangerously seductive world during her first week at veterinarian school. Desperate to fit in, she strays from her principles and eats raw meat for the first time. The young woman soon experiences terrible and unexpected consequences as her true self begins to emerge. So this is a French movie, horror mystery thriller, strong sexuality, drug use, bloody grisly images, aberrant behavior. So if you need some sort of, uh, I don't know, cannibalistic sexual perversion in your life, this is a really actually quite a good movie. It gets really good reviews. What's the name of it again? Sorry. It's called Raw. Raw. Okay. It gets really good reviews. There's definitely an immersive atmosphere. There's definitely symbolism. There's definitely provocative visuals. But it's interesting because it's this young woman who goes to vet school and she happens to be a vegetarian. I mean, you can imagine a vegetarian goes to vet school, right? Like loves animals, cares about animals. Uh, I didn't go into this movie knowing the premise, actually. I just knew that it got it has gotten a lot of good reviews and... I wanted to see it and I knew it was in like the cannibalism kind of sh- subgenre. And you could tell that from the pictures, basically that's not giving anything away because that's pretty much what happens right out of the gate. But I can say the performances are strong. The visuals are strong. She's really great in it. The main actress and it deserves definitely deserves the good reviews. It's a very interesting movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a feminist analysis sure. going on there. Okay. So check it out. It's All right. kind of disgustingly fun. <laughs> you like, you like to find them. <laughs> I do. You know, you kind of, you got to be okay with the, with the body horror around. Yeah. The, Very good. And French. So now we have a little thing. We have a little thing to. that we need to get back to because I need to know the answers to these things. Number one, <laughs> who pioneered the horror science fiction genre? Uh, I don't know. The guy who did Alien? It's your girl. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Say it. I don't know. Mary Shelley. No, oh, Mary. She did? She did. That's amazing. Number two, Bobby Boris Pickett. <laughs> number one yeah, I didn't, on the I, Hot 100. I definitely don't know this one. Monster Mash. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That's I ha- amazing. I had and that fun. on vinyl as a kid. Did you? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, number three, Bodega Bay was the town in which Hitchcock movie. The Birds? Yes. Number four, what Italian director created the musical score for Dawn of the Dead? 
I don't know. Dario Argento. Argento. Yeah, Snake would have known that. <laughs> we just watched that a little bit ago in October. Yeah. Um, and number five, when Wes Craven saw this film, he wondered what kind of Mansonite crazoid could have produced such a thing. <laughs> Stephen King praised this movie, stating that it had achieved cataclysmic terror. Uh, don't know. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, true. All both those things are true. I think it's funny too because, like, a few years later, Wes Craven does the most disturbing movie ever made, which is Last House on the Left. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's. I'm like. I think he's more, uh, maybe he's saying that out of love instead of I think of he is. Hate. Yeah. <laughs> I think he is. It's just ironic because yeah. Last House on the Left was the most, one of the most uncomfortable movies I've ever had to sit through. The original. No, no, no. The original is for me too. Both those movies are on Ugh. probably my top 20 yeah. list of uncomfortable movies. You and I have found even more uncomfortable movies now. Oh, we have. <laughs> I mean, 10 years ago, even maybe five years ago, I would have said Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the more disturbing movies I've ever seen, at least the first time I saw it. And and sometimes the second, probably like the second or third time I saw it as well. I'm a little desensitized to it now, but I have found worse. Oh, yeah. More disturbing now. Oh, you so and I have run across thing. some stuff. We'll have to do our a top list of that at some point. We, we toy with that idea occasionally, except for we just don't want to rewatch the movies. No. <laughs> Maybe we don't have to. I don't know. Maybe we can just talk about it in a small bit. <laughs> just to introduce the world to the circle of shit. Yeah. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it did. It did. It's so rhyme thank you so much for listening to terror talk thank you so much for listening this has been an episode of terror talk my name is shannon and i'm kathy sleep safe everyone (laughs) 